0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Roaring Glory Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 2. We're doing a new book review for you, our friends, our family. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of that new intro. I like it. Where did you find that? Uh, it was in a sample
0: that I bought from Gavi back in my music production days.
1: Not Gandhi. No, Gavi. Gavi. Yeah. Who's, who's he?
0: He is with Reach Records, I believe.
1: Uh, he puts out little samples? Well, he used to. This was back before he was with Reach Records. Like at Costco when they put out samples and they're like, would you like to try one?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he he's a producer as well. He produces a lot of Triple E stuff. So he just had extra so th- that he wanted to make money on. That
1: beat is not anywhere else but on Roaring Glory. Because you bought it.
0: Probably not anywhere else. Wow. somebody else could have bought it, but I I doubt you're ever gonna hear that. Wow. Unless he puts it in a song. He may bring it back, be like, I forgot about that. I'm listening to these guys' podcast. I forgot about th- I I made that. I'm a, I'm a-
1: <laughs> listening to these guys podcast. I don't I don't think Gavi's ever gonna listen to us. <laughs> I don't know him, so I probably wouldn't even listen to his stuff unless you bought it, which you did. I did, so you listened to, so to it.
0: <laughs> so what uh, – what, uh, I said we're doing a new review for you.
1: I told a few people about the uh, first review we did of that first book, Son of God Yes, and the New Creation. Yes, yes. Because they were telling me, as I encouraged the church to read it, they were telling me that they tried to, tried to take me up on that. And just we're having a harder time – um just picking up what that book was thrown down and so i was like hey this is already proven to be the right direction yeah so i pointed them to episode one of season three and i said nice go listen there we really bring it down to the place where we can understand it therefore you can understand it yes and that's cool I, that's know, exciting yeah I, we
0: uh we might be on to something here a good direction
1: <laughs> so are we going to be the ones that end up reading all these books and everybody else just listens to the podcast about it oh okay that's fine. yeah i like I reading it's books fine as long as they read the bible we'll help you with all the other stuff yeah
0: Oh, we still need to read the bible too
1: yeah <laughs> that's a fact yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, that makes me really excited. Uh, praise the Lord for that. We we may uh, have been given our direction here. Mm. So uh, the book we've got today is is another book in the short studies in biblical theology from Crossway. Did you already say that? Did I just tune you out?
1: In the first episode we said it. Today, oh, okay, okay. I did not say that.
0: Sweet. All right, so this is another book in that short series. Uh, short books. They're all pretty short. This one is called Covenant and God's Purpose for the World, by Thomas R. Schreiner. Mm-hmm. So this is going to walk us through uh, a pretty big theme throughout the whole of biblical uh, redemption, historical redemption, um, from, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through to uh, the New Covenant. Um, and, and this is a big theme that we see as we read the Bible from, from 30,000 feet, as Piper would give some analogies there. Uh, As we read it, kind of going through it, seeing the whole storyline, you're going to see covenants throughout the whole thing. And we need to pay attention as we're reading Scripture to know that this is a big deal. Um, So Shriner gives us six. He says there's six.
1: Six. He starts with creation, moves to uh, Abraham, then moves to Israel. Noah first. Oh, Noah. It goes from creation, Noah, Abraham, Israel, David, Mm -hmm. and then new creation. Yes. I got it right.
0: You got it. You got it. Which I'm glad because we both also just finished an Old Testament 2 class not that long ago. So I'm really happy. Oh, yeah. And
1: preaching through, well, just preaching in the Bible. You're going to run across covenant. That's how God relates to people as he promises to carry out his plan of redemption.
0: Yeah, so how, do, how does God relate to His people through covenant? Why, why does He use that?
1: It's, he promises, and He binds Himself personally to the relationship that He's entered into with that person or peoples. So a contract is different in the sense that it's more impersonal. Mm. A covenant is more personal. It would be like marriage. Mm. But there's a legal aspect of marriage, and there's, but the, the personal aspect of marriage is what overtakes the whole thing. You're promising this person personal things hmm. um, in a relationship uh, and not just fulfilling the stipulations of a contract. Yeah, You're relating to them in some way. And the beauty of the covenants in the scriptures is that if, if God, being who He is in character and nature, enters into a relationship with promises with somebody or a people, well, by nature, God's not going to transgress anything, mm. let alone that. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about this book is there's that thread that's constant, and God is the consistent party in all covenants, and then the other party is the one that always breaks the covenant. <laughs> yeah. and, and, re- and so it requires... God to be the hero to always keep to the covenant. Yeah, yeah, which he does. And he enters into those covenants knowing those people are like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty neat, you know?
0: Yeah, and not to jump ahead, but I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, The first part of the last chapter, chapter 6 in the New Covenant, he uh, or maybe it's the end of chapter 5 with the Davidic Covenant, where he's going through Jeremiah 31 and, and God has... God has said that he will be the one who puts his spirit in us and causes us to obey, and that's the only way that we're going to obey. I mean, it was always from the beginning, from Adam, this this Adamic covenant, which I said that out loud, and it kind of sounds bad, but Adamic? Adamic? How do you say that?
1: Is that how you say that? I like the first one.
0: Adamic? Adamic. A- Adam, that covenant with Adam.
1: <laughs> that's another... <laughs>
0: yes. So all the way from there until until the until Jesus fulfills the Davidic covenant and brings a new covenant, we human the human race was bound to fail and break covenants, promises, and I've skipped way ahead. So let's come back. So the first uh the first chapter is the covenant of creation. Mm. And this is going to be the covenant with Adam uh and with Eve um that we Sometimes we'll call the Adamic Covenant. It just doesn't sound right. Hey, Go with it. It's I, biblical, man. <laughs> just let it be on the table. So, um, one thing I thought was interesting was
1: was that... Um, well, in Adam, we've all been damned. So, if it resembles that true. terminology, that there you go.
0: That might be a little English play on words there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Dr. Schreiner, right? Yeah,
1: man. This is uh, the father of... The Doctor Schreiner that we have at Midwestern, this is is it Dr. Sh- really? Yeah, this is Doctor Schreiner at Southern Seminary.
0: Ah, interesting. I didn't know that in Louisville. Okay, so Doctor Schreiner, senior, I think it's interesting that he points out in uh, this first chapter of the Covenant with Creation that there's no um, explicit covenant definition, like no. like it's not something that we see next or later on with the Abrahamic covenant, where it's like. Full on, cutting the animals in half, walking through them. Yeah. So, I, I thought that was really interesting, and in that he gets the covenant through the through the language.
1: Yeah, he, he, yeah. He points out in that book that that's not often seen as one of the covenants in the Bible. Right. 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 Um, but he makes a good case for establishing why that would be.
0: Right. He uses Hosea uh, chapter six, and I'll just read that because I've opened up. Uh, But like Adam... This is Hosea chapter 6, verse 7. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they Mm. dealt falsely with me. So
1: Hosea Mm. is considering that a covenant. Well, yeah, Adam didn't ask to be brought forth, but God brought him forth, and by bringing him forth was essentially promising care and relationship and Mm. goodness, Mm. and Adam simply can only disobey. Botched it. Yeah, just like we all would yes
0: so um, in this covenant we also we get a promise in chapter 3 yeah that's a big one that's a big promise we kind of talked about that last time because it's it was a major point in the book Um, son of God so this promise is, is a big deal with all the covenants and we're walking through Genesis, about to finish it up at church, so do you have anything there to say? Well, it's
1: interesting that Dr. Schreiner uses uses Hosea to tie in the covenant of, uh, or to, to back up the covenant of creation, because what God enters into with creation and man in particular is a promise for good and to be who he is toward them and to provide and protect and to show them the way and all this sort of stuff just by proxy. I mean, you can get that just from understanding the story of creation. And he's in this relationship with with a people that are going to, for lack of a better term, whore themselves out to a temporary pleasure that will only lead to their destruction. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that he uses Hosea to tie that in because that's exactly what he tells Isaiah or Hosea to do. Yeah, yeah. To marry a woman like that, to mm. display to him first, before he prophesies about Israel, what Israel is like in relation to God. Yeah. So the covenant, can you imagine? I mean, you enter into a covenant with somebody, that personal promise, binding relationship, fully aware that you're, <laughs> you're going to have to make this covenant work mm. and they're going to make terrible yeah yeah the whole book of Hosea is a great reflection and
0: summary of the human race in covenant with God yeah (laughs) there it is pretty explicit but I mean that that's just the way it is yep
1: so that's exactly it
0: um, one other thing I thought uh, one sentence I underlined I thought was very helpful because a lot of people um, maybe not necessarily Christians um, although there probably are some Christians but a lot of people will ask the question: well, Okay, if um, why am I why am I sinful? Or why am I blamed because Adam sinned? What why why does he get the why does his actions then come down to me? And I thought it was a good point that Dr. Schreiner made with this sentence. He says both Adam and Christ yeah. functioned as representatives of those who belong to them. They are covenant heads.
1: Well, yeah, so it's one thing to be upset, like, oh, well, Adam screwed it up for all of us. But you can make the argument that we would have done the same thing. Right. But I think the bigger argument is like, well, there's also a second Adam. Mm. So if you want to get upset about the first Adam, okay, but you now have a second Adam who did the opposite of what the first Adam did. Yeah. So And who, who provided that? God. Yeah, so who are you going to get mad at here? Man. Yeah, yeah. And who are you gonna be in awe of because of the grace and mercy in here here, let me give you the one who can do it. Yeah. And that he's the covenant head so that all who all those who belong
0: to him are found to be as he was on earth. Yeah. So so those who are under sin still belong to Adam are still sinning.
1: It's yeah. Okay. Rabbit trail. <laughs> In evangelism, this is what always gets me, but I understand it because sinners are dead in their sins and trespasses, and they're children of wrath and rebels and don't want God and don't seek Him and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's so telling how people get so upset with the gospel when when it starts out, I'm a sinner because I've transgressed a holy God, and why does He get to... You know, tell me or punish me for these things and all this sort of stuff, and they don't rejoice in the fact that there's a second half of that where <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, okay, that's bad news, but there's also good news he is so gracious and merciful that he's gonna take care of that, yeah on behalf of someone else, yeah for you, yeah, so are you still mad that he's <laughs> the, yeah the, Righteous judge, he's offering away to himself. Sinners don't like to admit that they're sinners. Yes, that is
0: true. I mean, even even the ones who know, even Christians who know they're sinners, don't Uh like to admit. Yeah, that I do something wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's become one of the biggest things that I've ever embraced—not to have a oh, uh, like a you know free pass, but to just be like, well, this is reality. And there's a reality that overcomes that now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um, a way to think about at least a seed of sin, uh, obviously you've got all the medical analogies that you could make, but people say, well, that's not fair that I get charged as a sinner because Adam sinned. And and I've gone to, okay, let's, let's say it's not fair. Does your life track record prove that you would have picked anything different have you been perfect so so you would have done the exact same thing so you can't really say it's not fair because one you'd have done the same thing, but also because you're a descendant of the one who did that thing so you you're the same in that it it would have been your choice as well but like you're saying the the awesome thing is that God has provided forgiveness and grace and um, a covenant. That gets us uh, to be in relationship with him. What about Noah? Noah. Should I attempt this one? The Noahic yeah. covenant? Is that right? The I'd no- say it like that. The yeah. Noahic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, as Dr. Schreiner puts in the very first sentence, he says, this would be called the covenant of preservation, since God instituted it to preserve human beings from destruction. God pledged in this covenant that humanity will not be annihilated before the promise of Genesis 3.15 is realized. So the promise has been realized.
1: All of the covenants made are to bring about the fulfillment of his redemptive plan. So even though Noah's covenant is, what did he call it? What did he label it?
0: The covenant of preservation.
1: Yeah, it's preservative in nature. It's preservative because he is at one time acting just and righteous by condemning and punishing sin and acting gracious and merciful by preserving a line which will bring about his promised Redeemer that's going to fulfill all of these covenants. That's going to be what all these things lead to. So every covenant is leading to God's redeeming purpose. Hmm. For all of his people, for all time. Yeah, that's the overarching idea of covenants.
0: Yeah, I mean you just put you just sum the whole book up in a sentence. We should probably we're done
1: now. Let's move on to (laughs) talk about our wonderful sponsors.
0: uh, Okay, we're done with that as well (laughs) because we have so many
1: Martinelli's Uh, sparkling um, cider.
0: I I thought there was an interesting point he made, um, and it really doesn't have much to do with covenants. Um, but with, well, I guess with this covenant, it did as far as preservation goes, you were talking about that. Um, and Rachel and I were talking about this the other day about how, especially now there are times where, um, the world seems so frustrating that you just go, gosh, if we could just start over with these people, maybe it would be a lot better. And, (laughs) I mean, all you have to do is is read the story of Noah to find out that that's not the case. Um, God did that already, and we have proven that even starting over doesn't work because the sin, the uh, evil is in our heart. That's uh, Genesis 6-5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah. Got to deal with the human heart, yeah. Which he promises to do. All right. We got to get to that promise. Let's move on to Abraham then. So the Abrahamic covenant, like I said earlier at uh, Holtford First Baptist, we've been going through the Book of Genesis, and Dakota's done an awesome job uh, linking the covenant with Abraham to uh, Christ and to the New Covenant. So uh, tell us a little bit about the covenant with Abraham.
1: Well I believe, starting in twelve at the initial call of Abraham, and then explicitly in chapter fifteen and seventeen, you have God entering into a relationship with Abraham in which he promises blessing, promises you know a multitude of of people of descendants of Abraham um, but he promises an inheritance to an offspring and Galatians 3 picks up on this, he promises um, this inheritance to a singular offspring Hmm. because all of God's people are going to be identified in Christ singularly anyway in one body. And Paul understands that as a studied theologian of the Old Testament, now redeemed by Christ, sees that that singular um verbiage of offspring is because of Christ. Mm. I think that's the big thing about the Abrahamic covenant.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that it's its future and it's now. He's gonna preserve Abraham's family in line, even though they're a bunch of jokers. <laughs> yeah. Um like people are. Yeah, but yeah. he's gonna keep it going. Like mm. you promised. He's not gonna break it. Right. Right. And what gets me about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is they all have moments in time when they forget the covenant or discount the covenant and act contrary to the covenant. And so then you should think, like, well, it's over. I mean, you guys did this stuff, it's done. No, it's not done, it keeps going. Isaac has children, Jacob has children. Those children have children all the way until yeah. we get to Christ and it's just it's amazing. So the covenant promises are never broken, at least on one side.
0: Yeah. And I I love I don't know why I thought of this, but just reiterating what you've already said earlier, all these covenants are meant to lead to the fulfillment of the promise of Christ. And that it and God is preserving we we <laughs> people might think you're a little nuts when I say this, but we were in Genesis 38 last yeah, week. Yeah. The story of Tamar and Judah. Mm. And it was it was just phenomenal to see, because you, you read that and you go, why in the world is that here? But this is God's providence to fulfill his promise and in, in his sovereign will to fulfill and continue the line of the yeah. promise to bring the hope of all nations. Like Why, why does he care to do
1: that? <laughs> That's insane. And to, and to let Israel know as they go into the promised land, I'm, I'm still doing this. I did it with Judah and Tamar, even though that was a, a, a sinful thing that happened. My covenant, I haven't transgressed it. I haven't mm-hmm. forgot it. Yeah. So as you go into the promised land, remember these promises that I'm still bringing about, and I'm bringing them about through you.
0: That's good. And going along with that, that God is doing it, um, maybe a question that gets asked quite a bit is like, okay, well, what was so great about Abraham or Isaac or Jacob? Why, why were they the great ones? And uh, they weren't, as we've kind of said already. But uh, here's what Dr. Schreiner says on page 42 of the covenant with Abraham. Uh, I'm going to read quite a bit here, so just hang on for a second. It is also important to see that Abraham's obedience wasn't the basis for his call. Though he certainly did obey the commission given to him, still the foundation for Abraham's call and obedience was divine election. Nehemiah nine seven says, You are the Lord, the God, who chose Abraham and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. The first move didn't belong to Abraham. God chose him and God brought him out of Ur. We see the same truth in Joshua 242 through three. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Abraham was an idolater like the rest of his family and Paul confirms Abraham's ungodliness in Romans 4, 5, but God chose him and took him from Canaan. In the story of Abraham, we see the truth that God justifies the ungodly. The fulfillment of the promise of Genesis 3.15, then, would come through Abraham's family, even though Abraham didn't deserve God's mercy. Exactly. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I think you picked the right the right block quote there. That was a big
0: block quote. Mm. So I apologize for that, but I don't, actually. I'm not sorry at all. Um, just like like Dakota said earlier... The Lord has to do it. Otherwise, we're going to constantly break the covenant. And And he does it from the very beginning. He's he, the one that, that initiates and
1: establishes. He doesn't have to do it. Yeah, yeah. But he wants the world to know how powerful his grace and mercy are. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay, let's go to Israel. The covenant with Israel. What's he say about that?
0: Well, let's see. What do I have underlined here? Uh, well, again, he's reiterating here in the first part um, basically what I just read about Abraham. So he kind of finishes the Abrahamic covenant portion and then moves into Israel. It's like, again here, uh, the people of Israel don't deserve a covenant. They continually break it. As we see, um, this will be a covenant um, that we see, is it given through Moses?
1: Well, there's fulfillment of land promise to Abraham, then Israel receives that. And go ahead. Sorry.
0: So this is the the Mosaic covenant. So I've given right. all these fancy right. names. So the Mosaic covenant, which some will call the Sinai covenant, yes, given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Sorry I interrupted.
1: Well, no, I was going to say he's it, part of the fulfillment of that is the land promise. They're going to have the land of Canaan, the promised land. And the other part of that is that Sinai covenant, where He's going to make them His people, uh, or or allow them to know Him and what He expects, and what it is to be His people in the midst of nations that aren't His people. And we, you know, we know the rest of the story on how that went. But He He gave them that. He gave them the law. He gave them that promise of personal relationship and fulfillment of blessing that had already taken place in the promise to Abraham and it's still coming through him. So are they going to be God's people uh, in the promised land, in the midst of a, of the world or are they going to discount disregard and break the covenant, not trust the covenant and, Move on with their life, so to speak. Grow in different directions. We're growing in different directions, as some would say. And that's what Israel, I think, is at least portraying in the way that they behave. Yeah. Um,
0: one thing I found interesting along those lines is when he... Uh, when Sorry, when Moses is kind of giving his farewell speech, he... he presumes yeah. the curses. Yeah. Because God has not given them his spirit in order to obey yet. And and so the Holy Spirit through Moses, God through Moses is is presuming that the people will uh bring on the curses of, of the covenant. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's a good point. Yeah that the, the judgment and the and the promise of judgment for their adultery is, is there before Moses passes on.
0: Yeah. So th- he's pointed out already in the book that the two different types of covenants and I don't remember what those are. So you'll have to read the book unless you can remember. No. There's like a a a promise covenant of a ruler to protect his people and then there's a a different type of covenant of it's kind of both ways and I don't remember what they're called. So read the read the book so you read can the book. find out. <laughs> um a lot of people have said though i do remember this a lot of people have said that the the mosaic covenant is um basically it's based on uh, stipulations and uh, requirements
1: yeah because the law comes in to increase the trespass so it's supposed to reveal to israel you 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 can't keep my covenant yeah yeah, because God God
0: presumes that they're <laughs> you, going to <laughs> break yeah, you, the stipulations yeah. and requirements.
1: So, so, yeah, here's my stipulations for your side of it, um, and you're supposed to understand I can't keep that. Yeah,
0: which is supposed to bring us humbly before Him begging for mercy. And
1: I think that's where David becomes an interesting figure in the covenant that God makes with him, because David understands that and responds appropriately for mercy and for grace and trust and faith mm, yeah. that that's His, because God promises yeah. and entered into a relationship with Him, which would be impossible if God wasn't patient and merciful and gracious. And so yeah. somebody that understands that is the is the promise that David receives that's going to remain on his throne forever. The throne of intimate personal, faithful, hopeful relationship with God. In David's case immediately, he relies on his mercy and his grace to stay in relationship with him. As the eternal reign of his throne is fulfilled in Jesus, hmm. Jesus is those things. Not only does he understand them, yeah. he is those things.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I, a point that Again, Rachel and I talking about this with David, which by the way, this we've already we just moved into the
1: you talked with David.
0: Did I just say that? Yes you did. I'm sorry.
1: I was talking with Rachel about David. No, no, you and Rachel talked to David. Which not, is very interesting. I think we should
0: That's not what investigate I investigate this. Some, I've been having trouble today saying just weird things.
1: Did you guys do something like that Salem witch and call somebody back from the no, dead? We
0: we did not look at Saul's story did. and say, Let's do that. Did you you guys? No. <laughs> so we've got a little sidetracked here, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we've now moved into chapter five, by the way, uh, the covenant with David, which by now you can probably piece together the fancy verbiage for it, if if you're not familiar. It is the Davidic covenant. And that's an easy one to say. That one is much more simple. I Yeah, that Do- was nice.
1: Davidic. A Davidic <laughs> A covenant. Okay. Yes. Um, so anyway, you were talking about how David,
0: which it, I think you've said this before on Sunday mornings, and then we've obviously heard other Preachers and pastors say it. Uh, uh, David seems to have an understanding of God's mercy and grace uh, that is even surpasses some some New Testament believers, some New Covenant believers. Yeah. And one one story that I find fascinating is in this understanding of God's mercy is after David uh, commits adultery and rape of Bathsheba. I said it. It's anyway. Let's move yeah. on. Uh, God uses the prophet Nathan to convict him, Mm -hmm. and David then spends, I don't remember how long it is, in in fasting and praying, and his officials are so worried that he's going to like starve himself to death, and and then the, the child dies, because that's what God said would be David's punishment. And so David's officials are all like, well, who's going to go tell him? Because he's probably going to kill himself if he's been acting like this before. and Now the child's died. He's going to just go nuts. And they go and tell him. Or actually, they don't even tell him. They walk in and he knows what's happened. And he gets up and he goes and washes himself and then goes and eats. And they're astonished. They're like, what's happening? And he tells him, "I, I basically, I'm paraphrasing here, I was praying and asking the Lord for mercy because he may have... It may have pleased him to have mercy in that situation, like the understanding that God may have mercy,
1: yeah, on his in own. that context, yeah, at his own discretion, at his discretion, right? Yeah.
0: Not, not David didn't presume upon God's right. mercy. That I don't know that you can make an argument that he was presuming in God's mercy when he was in the act uh, with Bathsheba, but but certainly thought that God was such a merciful God, even in this horrible context that He created. God still may have mercy. Yeah. And did have mercy. Because yeah. he preserved David's life and life. Well,
1: and he even knows that he's gonna see that son again. Ah, yes. yes. So he yeah, he unders yeah, it's, there you go. I don't know what to say.
0: Well, you you've you said some good things about I know this book is not necessarily about see, this is what good books do. We've said this in the beginning. We said good books lead us not only to discussion about what's in the book, but other good discussion and then ultimately leads us back to where we should be constantly.
1: Well, and that's why I like this series, and that's why we're doing it, is because it gives us an overall biblical understanding of what God is doing. And so we can look at what He's done, and and now look at what He's doing, and we can understand it rightly. Mm. So, and it helps us read our Bible better, too, because then we're not saying, like, oh, I think, well, maybe He's doing this over here. Maybe He's changed His character mm. in this scene. yeah. And if you understand the whole big picture through these themes... Covenant and and Jesus as the right righteous Son and all that, yeah. then then you understand how to read your Bible in light of the Bible, yeah, and the, and it and it saves you from being deceived or lied to, yeah, about it,
0: yeah. Understanding the context and understanding of the scripture is important to understand scripture. Uh, the Bible interprets itself.
1: Say that, Pastor.
0: That's I mean that's been that, that's honestly been. Probably the most helpful thing out of that Old Testament class that we took was like, this is it's all there. I don't need to come up with my own answers for these mm-hmm. questions. God has already provided, and and has been consistent in his what he is doing through all. Of it was either redemption.
1: Martin Lloyd Jones or Spurgeon. One of them said, "Let the lion out, mm. let him out."
0: Somebody else just recently said that you you told me.
1: Well, that's who I was talking about. That's who said it. Oh, Alistair Begg <laughs> was preaching, okay. and he quoted gotcha. <laughs> Martin Lloyd-Jones, or Spurgeon, and they were just talking about 2 Timothy, people gathering teachers for their itching ears. And really, Bible teachers are just supposed to let the lion out. Open the door, open the book, open the page, turn the pages. Turn the pages. Let the lion roar his glory. Mm. The plug. As a plug, if anybody got it. Uh, so
0: So the Davidic covenant is... A promise to David that he his one of his sons will always be on the throne, but we obviously see there is't there's no king in Israel today,
1: yeah, well, and the last one that we know of was in that line uh, on the throne in israel was it was it hezekiah oh i don't remember too many ayahs. yeah, and then we have a break here until christ. regains the throne
0: but what's amazing is Matthew chapter 1 is it not the genealogy and it traces it all the way son of David yeah Yeah.
1: so this is literally literally bringing somebody through his line
0: so this Davidic promise this Davidic covenant is more than what you read on the page there's more to it than just what what a normal reading of the text would be yeah is that fair to say is that helpful to say yes okay I don't want to be unhelpful here.
1: New Covenant.
0: New Covenant. Uh, gosh, that was a long chat. Maybe I already went past it. Yep, 83. Did.
1: 83.
0: It's a new... Oh, no, it's not 83. 82.
1: 89. Oh, whoa. Wow. I do not have a photographic memory. Photographic memory, That's okay. after all.
0: Uh, apparently, side note, the nobody does nobody does that's what the science says some people have better memory tactics naturally but nobody has a photographic memory somebody's gonna call me out on that and be like uh actually i do i'm gonna say okay well yeah, yeah. i've watched I've got my youtube doctorate
1: <laughs> well i can i can see in my mind the way things looked when i've Looked at them,
0: right? But you're not going to remember every detail from every moment of your life.
1: That's because I'm not smart. But
0: well, that's not true. It just they according to the science that I've seen, nobody does. Anyway, we we we're, we're, that's too far of a rabbit trail. You know what? The new covenant take us mm, take us home.
1: What? Um, yeah, it's new. <laughs> <laughs> it's not new in the sense that the promises are, are, are. Different. It's the new covenant in the sense that the promises are fulfilled. Yeah. Yes. And the promise now becomes, since they're fulfilled, this is what it means for yes. you. Yes.
0: So you can. <clears throat> I want to point this out real quick, and then I'll just let you take take us home. The there are a few phrases we see in the Old Testament, as Dakota said, like this is this is a fulfillment of of promises, and this is the result of that fulfillment. And so you're going to see that in the Old Testament. There's a, a three phrases that I want to point out. New covenant, uh, that's in Jeremiah 31. Covenant of peace, uh, Isaiah 54, Ezekiel 34, and Ezekiel 37. And then the one that's used the most often is everlasting covenant. Hmm. So Isaiah 55, 61, uh, Jeremiah 32, 50, and then Ezekiel 16 and 37.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of places in the New Testament that talk about actually the new covenant. Um, I think if you get into Hebrews, you're going to get a really detailed discussion of Mm. how that covenant works as opposed to the old covenant. Um, The old things have passed away, the new have come. Uh, There's some more language there of we, we... Don't relate to God based on stipulations of the law, but those things have been fulfilled by the promise of the covenant He's made in the past, and that promise has fulfilled our side of the covenant Uh, and guaranteed us a new promise, which is eternal relationship with God and ultimate deliverance for all time, period. And all those things are actualized because God has fulfilled all of the covenants in Christ and he brings the new one. And that's that's why we can
0: rest that this covenant's not going to go away. Yeah. Because it's it's based upon the sure and steady anchor yeah. <laughs> of Christ. Yeah. It's not based on us. It's like, I mean, you just said that, but like we don't have to be fearful that this is going to be broken because Christ is the one upholding it. Yep, not us. No.
1: Not us. None. And I think that becomes the most simple mm. for us. Cuz if you want to talk about a new covenant, all you do is talk about Jesus. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's all there. Yeah. So the promise uh the promises that Jesus gives to send the helper to go and prepare a place for us, to never leave us nor forsake us. That's all part of the new covenant. Relationship that he's entered into with each one of us, foreshadowed in passages in the old testament like jeremiah thirty one yeah you know promised to put his law in our heart, and we don't have to each one teach each other to say no God, but they will all know me yeah uh and it's because the promise of the other covenants came, yeah,
0: that God preserved it and fulfilled it. I think this is this is um why I think things like work works-based righteousness or uh, a a moral righteousness, these things I get so upset with because those things can never bring about a covenant and they can never keep you in covenant.
1: Or God is more pleased with you if you do this. Right, yeah. Then you'll get more pleasure and intimacy from Him.
0: Like you're going to add to the righteousness of Christ by anything that you
1: do. Yeah. No, now There is language. Draw near to him and abide in him, and all of that. But, but you're not adding but to you're your not, righteous standing right, you're, before God yeah, by
0: by making like adding to the righteousness of God. Yeah, Christ. you're
1: not adding to your sonship. Right. Um, and the good works, by the way, he laid out for you that you'd walk in him. Yes. Like he's put out your clothes before you went to school.
0: But putting on your clothes doesn't mean that you're loved more.
1: Right. You just put him on because he told you to. You, <laughs> yeah. You're obeying your your right master now. Your yeah, father
0: Paul, who might it was Piper or or Lawson was talking about Paul's language of being indebted, of being a slave to Christ, like mm. because of what Christ has done. This is just, this is what Paul does now. Yeah, it's not. And it's not something that Paul doesn't want to do. This is something Paul desires. Like this is all yeah. he wants to do is serve the Lord. And so to put our clothes on is something we want to do, and it just that's what we do because we're His.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, why does anybody become a missionary or a pastor or help in children's ministry or evangel, uh, give to the poor, whatever? It's it's because they have a desire to do what their father's doing. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't do those things. You know, it doesn't make any sense to just naturally be like, well, you know what, I I just feel like being a pastor. <laughs> Some people do that for reasons that are not holy. Yeah, uh, But it doesn't make any sense to do that apart from what God has given you in a new heart. Yes, yes, there's so many other things that you could do, yes, that may be easier, more profitable, give you more recognition, more money, more time, yeah, all those things, yeah, so why you know why do does anybody do this yeah
0: hey, somebody i don't it might have been i uh, I don't know who it was, but just talking about how
1: being a Christian is absolutely the worst hobby on the face of the earth yeah, i've mean just I've always said like why would you why would you come? To worship God if you don't know Him. Yeah. This would be a not an activity that I don't understand why you'd want to be involved in unless you had selfish reasons, <laughs> yeah. which a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing do. have. Yeah. yeah. But we do it under this new covenant relationship. We find ourselves in Christ. We're tied to Him. We respond in kind because that's what Christ does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which... Then should mean that our singing and our preaching are christ focused and christ filled yeah, not me filled that's gonna be a whole other conversation, but we probably need to end it anyways yeah, we're going so,
1: kind of up against a little bit of a time stamp here, so we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye for now, but I two books under the belt, just two. pretty good it's not bad, and I like the direction we're going, yeah, a- apparently it's uh helping some people
0: out already. That's good. Uh, if you guys that listen have a book you want to suggest, that doesn't mean we'll do it. I can't promise you that, but we will definitely take it into consideration. We're going to continue, I think, in this short studies in biblical theology for right. this season, Yeah. Uh, but as we move forward, we're going to be looking at some, some other books, maybe some classical books, uh, things like... The, Calvin's Institutes. we may not cover that whole thing right but maybe yeah, just maybe just be like two. hey
1: here's a fun episode <laughs> fun episode people will be like we're nerds <laughs> but like where we just highlight some of the crazy right. things that we found and oh yeah. yeah stuff like that yeah, I like that
0: so uh, we don't know what book is coming next time we'll probably decide that it's as right. soon as we sign oh, off here uh, but we're really looking forward to it uh, we've been helped by this so far we hope that you guys are helped as well so uh, where can they find us at?
1: RoaringGlory.com. Email questions to info at RoaringGlory.com. Also, we are, uh, for those involved with our church, mm. FBC Holt, mm-hmm. um, you'll be able to connect to us um, online in a whole host of different ways um, soon. Very, very soon. So. Soon
0: and very soon We
1: are going to see you there it is. Until next time, we love you.